Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Take 6 podcast. I am your host, Hunter Surplus, and this is the podcast for Sunday, December 16th. This is episode number 17, the Wendell Clark episode of the podcast. It's just me and Callum Wise here today, but we are talking about a few really fun things. The release of Troy Tulowitzki, whether the Raptors are better without Kawhi or not, and the Leafs mom road trip. Just a quick reminder to go follow us and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review because it helps with all the algorithms and whatnot. And we generally just like to hear your feedback. Go follow us on Instagram at Take6Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Take underscore six. And go like our Facebook page, Take6. Welcome to the Take6 Podcast. What up? What is going on? I am Hunter Surplus. Callumwise is on the other line. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Just feeling feeling refreshed after this long semester. I know it's uh we're finally back in the same, you know, 50 meter radius, which is <laughs> what makes me really happy, dude. That's uh that's a, you know, what's keeping me going after these these tough Maple Leafs losses and a, a tough Raptors loss again tonight. That's kind of what's keeping me going at the moment, dude. It really is. Uh, so today we got a quick show, a real, uh, maybe <laughs> I always try to say that it's a quick show, but it generally does not end up being that way. But uh, only, only a few topics going on here. Uh, right now we're going to, right off the top, we're going to talk about Tulowitzki getting released. We'll get into how the Raps are playing without Kawhi. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how cool the Leafs' mom's road trip is here. So, like I said, right off the top, to Lewitsky, uh, if you haven't heard the news, I'm sure you have. We are a little bit late to this party, if I do say so myself. We are a little bit late to this party. But to Lewitsky got released last week by the Blue Jays. They still owe him $38 million, is it? $38 million, Cal? It's between 36 and 38 <laughs> That's Yeah. Regardless, it is a <laughs> a lot of boat, money. Yeah, a boatload of money. More money than Tulowitzki deserves from this team by not playing on this team. I wish I could do that. You know what I mean? Like I wish <laughs> I could just go get a job and be like, yeah, hey, part time, you know, fifteen an hour. But uh I'm just not gonna show up. Can you still pay me? Can you fire me and still pay me? <laughs> that's not you still that's pay not... me like Four years salary. Yeah, just- that's uh, that's not how it works unless you're extremely good at what you do. And unfortunately, for that me, yeah. Do you think this was a good move from from the Jays side? It's hard to say what the Jays are doing right now because you, I'm pretty sure every single like week or other week, you and me are in our our, uh, our text group and just like going off on the Jays just because of what they've been doing in this offseason, just like unloading this team in the worst way possible. And I think this, this is just adding on to it. It's the same thing that happened with Donaldson. They didn't give this guy a chance to come back. They're just like, oh, all right, see you later. And even though he said earlier that, uh, I think it was at the end of the season or sometime uh, like during the offseason right at the beginning, he's like, I don't, I, I won't come back unless I'm the starting uh, shortstop. So that probably had something to do with it, but 
you know very well, and so do I, that this guy is a starting shortstop. He was the best defensive shortstop in the league at one point. Not what like three years ago. Like this guy was amazing when he was playing on Colorado. And I don't he did not find his place in Toronto, that's for sure. But I think that we should have given him another chance. And yeah, I, I don't think it was a good move. I think that they should have let him play at least a little bit to get maybe some trade value so that they could get rid of this guy for something instead of paying thirty seven or $38 million for nothing. <laughs> You're paying it to some guy who's not playing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's that's the part that doesn't make sense to me too. Like why they wouldn't at least try to trade him. And I'm like, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they put offers out there. Yeah, that, they probably shopped him. That, yeah, like that we just didn't hear of because no one really took it seriously. But I... See, at the beginning, and you can attest to this, Callum, at the beginning, I was I was very upset about it. I was very upset about it. But now, I'm kind of, I'm not really hating it because we're in a rebuild mode, right? Like, we are totally in a rebuild. And if if the Jays are trying to do otherwise, which is kind of what I've seen by trying to get these, you know, star pitchers in on the team and, you know, some of these really good, uh, high, high talented free agents onto this team that they're kind of trying to combat the, the, the rebuild. But I know, you know, me and you both can, can say that a rebuild is best for this, this Blue Jays organization and having, to Lewitsky come back and if he plays like if he's healthy I think just out of principle you have to make him the starting shortstop just because of who to Lewitsky is like from 2009 to 2015 he was like the best infielder in baseball right like mm-hmm. he was hitting over 300 I think at one point one season he had a 340 batting average while being the best uh best defensive infielder in the league while hitting, you know, 30 bombs. So I think out of principle, you'd have to play him all the time. And you've got some pretty good guys up the middle right now in like Devin Travis, Eunice Guriel, Urania, Drury. Like those are four young guys with quite a bit of talent who are playing in that middle infield spot who would be getting some innings taken away and when I say innings I mean like full games taken away from them because of Tulowitzki coming back and playing so I understand that side of things but on the other hand why wouldn't you just if you're gonna you know just waive him and just release him and keep all the money on the books why wouldn't you just keep him and help these young guys develop right like help Devin Travis develop help Urania develop help Guriel develop because, like I just said, he was one of the best infielders in the game. And maybe it was more so out of respect for him so that he didn't have to just kind of sit and be that, you know, be that mentor, which a lot of older guys kind of like to do. But when you're seeing guys like Pujols and their career and Beltre and their career in such like respectable ways in terms of, you know, still putting up really big numbers... I think they're probably giving him a little bit of respect and letting him go. But realistically, he's probably hitting 200 
with, you know, a, a couple home runs here and there and probably not his best defensive his best defensive season. So like, yeah, it would have helped the rebuild, but it also would have I feel it would have like taken away from from the young guys. But you know, I I still have mixed feelings about the whole thing. See, this wouldn't be a problem if uh, if they kept a certain someone by the name of Ryan Goins, <laughs> who was the literal like epitome of Tulowitzki, younger, and but he was almost the same like talent defensively, like he was so good defensively, and he was our best header in runners in scoring positions. In his for last year, for years, yeah. man, yeah, <clears throat> which is, and then they just that that was the beginning of the end. I think I think that that, that going straight was just like everyone everyone knew or no one knew, but like everyone was like, oh well, what was that about? <clears throat> and then from then on, every single player was just chopped up. We were like Rogers definitely told like Atkins and Shapiro, just like yeah, we want the lowest possible budget. Like, so they just got rid of every single, like, big contract. And now we're left with pretty much nothing. I mean, it's a rebuild. But like you said, if we have some older guys on the roster, then they can help mentor these young guys. You can't have a rebuild team of just young guys. Like, look at, a like, New York has some, like, they have CeCe Zabathia. One of, like, he's super old now, isn't he? Isn't this, like, his last year? Yeah, the guy's like, the guy has been around the league. But he's still like forever. chucking. He's still chucking that ball. Like he's he's one of their best pitchers, and that's so good for their young pitchers, like like Chapman. So you need to have some older guys on the team to help mentor. Uh, Tulo, okay, Tulo is not even that old. Let's be real here. He's not like at that stage yet. I think that if he came back. He like who knows maybe that like hiatus from baseball gave him a new perspective. Who like maybe he would have played really well if yeah, he played he, bad. He hasn't and... really, he hasn't really played up to you know to Lewitsky standards since coming to the Blue Jays. That's he what I mean that... though. But like going on hiatus, like maybe who like if he comes back, maybe he is a better player. Like maybe he's back more to his old self not definitely not the same because a lot of time a lot of time has gone by but maybe he found his footing maybe he can actually hit the ball uh, on a regular basis he wasn't terrible defensively he was really good defensively but i it was just his offense just let us down especially switch like that's every every player that we've gotten from the nl has just been terrible hitting diaz was pretty bad the entire season uh Grinchik was he was hot and very cold at some point like at the beginning he's like it's like hitting like 100 or some some real low and it's just like a learning curve it just he never got to that point so I mean I can't I agree with you where you can see why they got rid of that contract especially for Roger's sake for them wanting to chop all these contracts down also not wanting to give up that starting like all those all that position time to one player uh, as opposed to all these different young guys who, who you can try out in these positions like you can switch people around in the infield for sure 
And when you have Tulo there, obviously he's not going to switch. He's going to stay in that position uh, at all times. So I can see why they did it. I just, I still don't agree with it. I'm still not sure how I feel about it. And I'm not going to be sure how I feel about it until Alex Anthopoulos picks this guy up on the Braves. <laughs> and he, st- he starts hitting 450 <laughs> in the first month of the season. And, you know, he's back to old Tulo. Like that's. If, if that happens, you know. Anthopolis yeah. is literally going to build the same team on the Braves like yeah. with a better starting team. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, he's listen, already picked up Donaldson. And he's going he's gonna to pick up, he's going to pick up Tula on like the minimum deal, like $5 million, And just this guy's going to rake. He's going to rake. Watch him pick up Estrada too. Probably. Probably. Watch, watch Estrada become that ace pitcher again. It's just it's the Jays organization, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's the. It's I, the I know that curse. for a fact that Donaldson hated management. He said it. Like he didn't say he hated them. He just said that he didn't agree with management. They decisions. didn't. Yeah, they didn't see eye to so, eye. They didn't see eye to eye. And I think, I think that, I think Donaldson though is on, you know, closer to one end of the spectrum of players. Like there's there's players who you know, who are going to be very, uh, not defiant to management, but who have one way of looking at things and aren't going to change their mind on that. And I think that's very much Donaldson. And but also it's Donaldson. Other, yeah, and then there's also players who are more likely to, you know, change their mind and, and play within a team system and all that kind of stuff. And I I don't know how many Jays players are like that, and I also think that the Jays management is on one side of the spectrum that you probably don't want to be on, if if I'm saying mm-hmm. so myself. Let's yeah. move on to a little bit of a better uh, topic here, if unless you have something else to say about this. Just thank you for your time here, Tulo. Fair, yes, it was fun. fair enough. Fair enough. I I loved having you know when he came in and that to that so. This is getting me on on some other tangent that I don't want to get onto, but I'm gonna get on it anyways. <laughs> as soon as they made that trade, and I'm gonna I the reason why I'm saying this is because I think I'm right about it, and this is kind of showing that I'm right about it. As soon as they made that trade in 2015, pretty much anybody around me at the time could have could attest to this and me saying that as soon as they made that trade, if they didn't, you know, make it to the World Series that season, that they trade Tulowitzki at the end of the year because he'll be horrible. And I didn't I didn't think injured, but it just played out that way, that he'll be horrible and not good for this team by the time we get rid of him. And I, can, I mean I can literally I can attest for that. I you made me remember that. I remember you saying yeah. if we don't Get rid of this guy while he's worth something. He will be worth nothing by the time we're done. And, and buddy, you were and, right. You were definitely listen, right. It's it's not even that he's worth nothing. It's that we had to pay thirty eight million dollars to get him off our off our team. So it's like we're thirty eight million dollars in debt because of this guy. It's it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Anyways, then I think that home run in the two thousand fifteen. Um, 2015 series against the Rangers uh, was probably my favorite home run other than the bat flip for sure. I think yeah. that two men on sixth inning 
just blasted it left field. Oh my God. I, I was screaming. Anyways, <laughs> enough of that. Enough of Jay's talk. We're going to talk about a team that's actually playing right now. Their, their season is in full effect at the moment. And that's the Toronto Raptors. So there's been stuff going around a lot in mainly Toronto media, but also U.S. media, which is kind of cool. I like seeing that. But the Raptors are 7-1 and one when they play without a specific player. People are saying that the Raptors are actually better without Kawhi Leonard. What do you think? Like, to me, that's that's absurd, but I'll, I'll hear your comments first here. See, I don't know if you remember what I said in our in our group, but I called, not called, but like I, I had an idea that when, especially after that game, uh, who did we lose to? Oh. Uh, the game before Golden, or the game where the like before we lost Kawhi, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Yes, that's who. That was the game. I saw what was happening to the Raptors, and I knew that something was going down. That like we should not have been going down. Is that we were playing too much through Kawhi Leonard as if he was the one man squad on this team, and I I, I didn't specifically say it to Hunter, but I was. I was saying it definitely to myself, but if we learn to play, I think we will by the end of the season, but learn to play with him as just a team member because I don't think you should be passing him the ball as much, especially when you have Kyle Lowry on your team. I think... And and Kawhi is not—he's not dumb. He's definitely—he knows how to pass the ball. He's an amazing passer. He, if you've seen him when he's had two men on, he knows how to find the open man. But that Milwaukee game—we just played so much through him. That's pretty much why we lost. And then once we got into this Golden State game, like the passing was was so amazing, and the ball movement and everything and defense was just so on point. We kept Curry and Clay were garbage in that game. They were so bad because we just kept them on lock. Like Curry, he usually hits like those shots where he's got a hand like into his face. But I don't like he just the Toronto Van, team was yeah, all Van, over Van everyone. Fleet was all over him. Van yeah, Fleet people, was all over, all and over. Except so Curry. to go into what like the actual point is, I do not think that this team is better without Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard. As you said, best two play two way player in the league, top five, top three when he's healthy. And if we can learn to just play with him, play with him, not for him. That's that's the thing. Play with that's it. Leonard, you know what? I I like yeah, yeah. I really like I really like that point. Play with him, not for him. So my biggest thing about it, right, is that like obviously, like it's obvious. It's stupid to think that they're a better team without him than yeah. with him but i mean the the numbers don't really lie here because like the average point differential without him on the floor and i think it's a it's a decent enough sample size to kind of use this as a point here is their average point differential without him on the floor is 13.9 which is like almost two point or almost three points better than the 73 win golden state warriors team that's that is just to, insane. to put that in perspective. <laughs> it's nuts, right? But I think that so 
what was always wrong with past Raptors teams and you know the DeRozan especially with Lowry teams were that they were very ISO heavy most of the time and they always at the end of games and in like crunch time situations and when one guy got hot they were very ISO heavy very little ball movement all that kind of stuff and that's exactly what's happening right now with Kawhi Leonard especially at the end of games like you said with that Milwaukee game it's the perfect example down the stretch iso ball iso ball iso ball and then on the other end of the court ball movement ball movement ball movement and the ball movement led to two straight threes by wasn't Middleton was it Brogdon two straight threes by Brogdon I want to say and Giannis and that's right like Giannis didn't have one of those big clutch shots because he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And that's because they weren't playing the iso ball, iso ball, iso ball. But I I do kind of agree with what they're doing in this scenario because you have a top three one healthy player in the league in Kawhi Leonard. Sometimes you just got to feed him the ball. Sometimes you just got to bank on him getting a bucket. And to be... To be completely honest with you, most of the time he does get the mm-hmm. bucket that you need him to get. Most of the time that's what happens. But when it comes down to the final minutes, when he's been isoing all this time and you're trying to give Fred Van Fleet, I'm talking about the Brooklyn Nets game here, when you're trying to give Fred Van Fleet a wide open three when he's only taken four shots the entire game, it's hard for him to just kind of be ready and take that wide open three and hit it because he's taken, you know, three other shots a game, all the same type of shot. No, you know, he does, he doesn't, he's not used to the ball in his hand because he hasn't been dribbling it, all that kind of stuff. So I, I get it. And so I've got kind of a proposition here, I think. And I kind of like this idea. I was, I was watching it and it kind of reminded me of, of what they should kind of do here. I think they should start playing Kawhi Leonard in a LeBron-type situation when he was in Cleveland, which is like when he was in Cleveland with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, which is LeBron would start the game and he would get all of his other teammates involved. You know, he dished to the first like four or five plays, he dished to Kevin Love, make sure he got his shots in. A couple plays, he'd let Kyrie kind of just dance on some people, get his shots in. He passed the ball to Larry Nance when he was on his team. Jordan Clarkson would get a couple shots. Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, all that kind of stuff. They would all get their share of the ball, right? Kyle Korver, they'd all get their share of the ball early so that when that moment came, whether it was in the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, A, they had that confidence. B, he knew who had their shot going that night. And C, they got their reps in other than at shoot-around. So I think if Kawhi Leonard, even if he's not the facilitator and even if he's not the ball mover, if he's the one who can kind of take a step back early in the game, because you know he's going to get his buckets anyways at some point, and if you let kind of Kyle facilitate, and even if you let Kawhi facilitate, make some nice passes out to you know Fred Van Fleet, to Kyle, to Serge, to, to Jonas if he's starting, to Danny Green, then maybe they can hit their shots early, and they can stay hot throughout the game and get themselves going. But 
if you don't let these guys, if you're taking the first four or five shots in the game, first of all, they're going to know that you're just going to come down and shoot almost every single time. You're going to come down, do that little hesitation step, pull back and shoot like he does all the time, which is very effective. But you can't do that on an NBA defense in the playoffs. So I think just getting the other guys in there, get them thinking about, oh, wait, maybe Kawhi isn't going to shoot. Maybe Kyle Lowry's going to pass it to someone who's not Kawhi. I think it'll open up lanes for not only himself, but getting other guys' confidence when he needs to move that ball late in the game. Buddy, um, EK, you just put so many thoughts through my mind like while you were talking. So I'm going to try and keep this this short, all right? Um, so just to start what you were saying about LeBron, and like, oh my God, that just it's just such a good point because why do you think Kevin Love was scoring 20 plus points in the first quarter all the time. And this guy, he broke the, the, the first quarter threes. I'm pretty sure. Like when LeBron was there last year, the year before he broke the record for most threes in the first quarter, he was scoring like 15 to 20 points in the first quarters. It's because LeBron let these guys shoot. And that means that LeBron is not as tired trying to rush the basket all the time. And that's, he could carry those like the the second half, like this guy would just put them on his back. And that's why they got to the, to the, to the finals pretty much. Like obviously like LeBron carried that team, but he let his teammates shoot. He knows his shooters. He knows Kevin Love was a shooter. He knows Kyle Korver was a shooter and he knows Kyrie Irving was an amazing ball handler. And, and shooter as well. He knows his teammates. I, I don't think Kawhi is at that point yet where he, I mean, he, obviously he knows he has Danny Green. Danny Green's a really reliable sh- shooter uh, for, for the most part. But he also has Fred Van Vliet, who when he does get the ball, he can shoot really well. Ibaka has shown a lot of signs this season. Uh, Kyle Lowry, who usually does have the ball anyways, but it's just the same. Like, do you remember, obviously you remember, but the game surge just dominated the first quarter. Yeah, 100%. It, it's because he got the ball. And it's not like, I mean, when he's staying that hot and he's not missing, then I think it's all right to pass to these guys. But when, as soon as, like, even if they miss one shot, you got to start that ball movement again. You got to get these guys playing Everyone has to be playing. Like you said, everyone has to get the ball because in previous times, our team has been pretty butt. Like when, oh my God, the Damari Carroll Patterson era was just brutal. Like they were trying to do that. They were trying to play that game and you can't play that game when you got these terrible shooters trying to get open threes and miss every single shot. But now we have the team. We have the most well-rounded team in the NBA. So it's just makes so much sense to be, to play that style of game. And if, how do you need to go? You need to contact Nick nurse right now. You need to get this guy on the phone. (laughs) I'll find his email somewhere. He's like, I have, I have a new playbook for you, buddy. Throw this stuff out that. Thank thank you, Hunter. Thank you for that. That that was an amazing, amazing analysis right there. Well, I like, I and because I think it makes sense, right? And like I've, uh, out of everybody in Toronto, I've probably been the one hating on the bench the most. 
And like, I hate that fact, but I have been, and I, you know that more than anybody that I've been just mm-hmm. trashing the bench the whole season. But I, I genuinely think that that's what's going on, right? Like they just aren't getting their reps. And obviously it has stuff to do with them not being able to, you know, they just, they don't have all the same continuity over last year, all that kind of stuff. But I like, obviously it just, obviously they're not better without Kawhi. I'm like, I'm not going to say that their ball movement is just better because they don't have that one guy to ISO with and that one guy who they can just go to, to get buckets. But when they're most relying on that, the same thing, it's everyone saying that, Oh yeah, like we need to get away from that DeRozan Lowry era basketball, which I didn't agree with to begin with, but it's true. You have to get away from that era basketball in today's time where everybody's switching, everybody's doing everything Anyone can guard anyone pretty much on, on most good teams. Anyone can guard anyone. So you got to you gotta be able to, like a Kawhi Leonard matchup on someone, you know, four years ago is different than a Kawhi Leonard matchup on, on anybody this year because players are just, I'm not going to say better, but players are more capable in covering anybody. And you just got to be able to move that ball. And moving that ball early on will open up space for Kawhi Leonard is, I think, kind of my main thing here. But uh, so we'll we'll head over to that other team that's that's playing right now the the Leafs and I don't want to get into to any of the the hockey stuff without Keel here but the thing that's going on right now which I think is pretty cool I don't want to talk about Nylander because it's only been a few games right off the bat and I don't want to jump the gun because I will say some pretty uh, wild stuff about that I'm very upset with how that guy's playing but. The Leafs' mom road trip is what we're going to talk about in terms of the Leafs here today. The Leafs' mom road trip. So this is the first time that they've had this. Like, if if you've watched Leafs over the past however many years, like I don't even know how long it's been going on, but they've had the the dad road trip where the dads come along to all the games and enjoy the games with all their all their sons, all that kind of stuff, and it's a lot of fun. And it looks like a lot of fun. They always show them in the crowd. They're having fun. They're boozing. They show them at bars, whatever. There's a lot of Instagram pictures that go up. And it's really cool. But now there's this Leafs mom road trip, which it's, it's the first time. I said that already. But it's the first time. And it's pretty damn awesome to mm-hmm. me. It is pretty damn awesome. And, like, I don't know about you, but you know how your mom has those friends that she goes out with every now and then and they just get loaded you know they go out for dinner or it's like a dinner party or you know book club whatever it is and they just get loaded I think I don't think that's what is gonna happen this year but I think if they continue this tradition that that's gonna be what this mom's trip is gonna be like that these guys are gonna kind of become you know the the mom group of the NHL, all these guys' moms, and they're going to start bringing bottles of red wine to these games somehow. (laughs) They're going to be sneaking red wine in their Canada Goose jackets into these games in Florida, and they're going to have a blast. I'd like... I think it's awesome. I don't know. What about you? Like, do you think that it it should be the moms, or do you think it should be the dads? We might be we might be pushing some buttons here with this question. But <laughs> <laughs> see, 
I just love it. I love it because it's so like like you know that the young style hockey where where you go on a road trip with your team and all your the parents are there and they're all in the stands together. And obviously when you're I mean, that's not the case for everything, but they can't get as loaded. But now, now their kids are, they're in the show and they're making banks. Obviously they're going to be drinking all the time because they, they know their kids are, they, they made, made it. it. Yeah. They made it. That's what it so, is. They already made it. They don't So have they're to worry. celebrating every game and I, I love it. I don't care. It doesn't, I think, I think the moms one just makes it so wholesome. Like I'm not saying like the dad one was also amazing, but this mom one just shows the that the Leafs are like they're a family, and this proves it more than any team because uh, I don't I don't hear any other mom road trips going on in the NHL. And I kind of I kind of like this better than the dad road trip because, like, in terms of hockey, right? They like kids who play hockey are such mama's boys. Like they are such mama's boys. These guys are probably staying in the same hotel rooms as their as their moms on this on this trip, and it's awesome. Like I I love it. I'm so happy that they're doing this. Um, my my one kind of gripe with it, the one thing that I could see being negative about it, is that you know if you're if you're playing some of these more savage teams, there is room for a lot of chirping. If your mom's, if there's, you know, your section, there's one section full of the Leafs moms up there. I, I, I love, you better believe some of these guys are hearing about it. You know what I'm saying? If I was on the other team, I would be chirping them for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, you better believe they're hearing about it. And there's probably, you know, some, some pretty bad things being said. And, and it may be, you know, that's why they, they've been getting a lot of penalty minutes these past few games. They say you don't talk about my mom that way, but uh, yeah, I mean that's the only thing that I don't like it. Also, have you seen that video of Mitch Marner's mom flossing in the stands? Oh God, no! You haven't seen it? I think <laughs> I don't want to. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's one person on the team's mom who would do that, it's Mitch Marner's. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, anyways, um. To end this off, we're gonna do the performer and performance of uh, of the week here. I've uh, you know I've got this one uh, under control here, Cal. Um, so the performer of the week, I'm giving to Serge Ibaka. I was gonna give to Kyle Lowry because he kind of came back and actually started playing well and won a couple games without uh, Kawhi Leonard there, but then he sat out the past uh, two games, and you know you can't really give give a guy a player of the week we sat out the past two two games here and Kawhi Leonard also sat out two games and then the two games he did play they they lost so Mm -hmm. that's that's fantastic but anyways Serge Ibaka has had some pretty phenomenal uh games here this this past week so he's averaged 21.3 points two blocks 0.8 0.8 steals, two assists, 8.3 rebounds on 52% shooting, plus 11.3. That's that's pretty awesome. So Serge Ibaka is the performer of the week, and then the performance of the week. I'm going to give. This is kind of I'm kind of copping out here. I'm cheating on this one, mm-hmm. but 
it is going to be the Raptors, except for Kawhi Leonard, on the back-to-back in L.A. and Golden State. So that's the performance of the week. They whooped, they whooped L.A., and they gave Golden State a whooping. And the reason, I, you know what, I'm going to give it just for the Golden State game because it garnered U.S. media attention. Second night of a back-to-back. And it, uh, it also garnered some chirps from uh, from Curry. You don't usually get yeah. those. Exactly. Exactly. So, Cal, I think that'll be it today. I think that's it for the podcast. Um, it was great, great talking to you, buddy. I'm glad we were able to do this. Uh, you know what? Another shameless plug here. Go to takesix.org. I wrote a piece on... What the hell did I write a piece on? Oh, on that Golden State win and why, uh, you know, it's it doesn't feel different. It doesn't feel different. I kind of compare it to that last year win against Houston uh, in late March when everyone was so fired up about the Raptors. Go follow us on Instagram at Take Six Podcast, Twitter Take Underscore Six, Facebook Take Six. We've got some big things coming up in these next couple weeks and before the year ends. We're going to do a Christmas wish list on our next podcast, which I'm very, very excited about. Me too. So, guys, guys, please, please, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it means so much to us. Peace.